You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Good morning, City Tribe family. I'm so happy to be able to come and share with you today uh, a message that I hope that really will be an encouragement to you. Today, we're looking at a message called From an Ordinary to Extraordinary. And the big idea that I want to share with you this morning is that God can do impossible things. And I'm going to encourage you that if you have a Bible around or pull out your phone or your tablet or your computer, and I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter one, because today I really just want to tell you a story. Now, many of us are familiar with the story of Mary, which we have heard and we speak about at this time of the year. In only two of the Gospels do we see that story of Mary's encounter with Gabriel, the angel. And in Matthew, we find the short version. But today we're going to look at Luke, which is a more detailed story of that encounter. Years ago, I was brought to my attention about this story that I'm going to share with you today that it's a story that in some ways is overlooked because we immediately go to the story of Mary and her encounter with the angel Gabriel and Joseph being a part of the whole uh, coming of the Lord Jesus Christ through Mary. But yet there's a story that is before that. And yet at the same time, it's something that's directly connected with this story that we celebrate at this time of the year the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter one, we see the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Zacharias was a priest in the service of the Lord, and he would serve at the temple in Jerusalem. And he and his wife, Elizabeth, they lived outside in the hill country, and they were ordinary people, but yet they lived a life that was extraordinary before God. And in every culture, there's always been a class consciousness or a class system. And, you know, in the Jewish culture of that time, of the time of Jesus, there would have been that same type, if you will, of class structure. The priests would have been a part of that, of course, and they would have been people that would have been very important. Uh, in this day and time, there was probably around 20,000 priests that were living in or around the city of Jerusalem. And yet they would have been very proud people because of their position. They would seek uh, to do the things religiously that gave them the external appearance that would impress others. Uh, but they were a priest that could be somewhat prideful. And yet when we look at our story today and we hear about Zacharias, he was a different kind of priest. He was a, a kind of priest that was humble, I believe, in his way of life. The, the law would tell that of, to the priest, the, the law of Moses would have insisted that a priest would marry a woman of the highest reputation. And Zacharias had chosen the daughter of another priest uh, to be his wife. And she was a descendant of Aaron, one of the most, if not most significant priests in the Old Testament. So as we read our story today, we, we see in Luke 1, I want you to understand that Zacharias and Elizabeth were good people. So scene one of our story, let's look at the characters. It says in verse five of Luke chapter one, that in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias. That name means to remember. 
he was of the division of Abijah, and he and his wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, which means God is my oath, God is my promise. Scripture says that they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in their years. Now, this is some powerful description about our characters that we see in our story today. First of all, verse six says, the Bible says about them that they were both righteous and blameless. So in all the requirements of the Lord, it's one of the only places that I can see in the Old Testament that you see that type of commentary about somebody, but they were righteous and blameless. So on the outsides, they would have had all the appearance of being successful And yet what we see in verse seven, that Elizabeth was barren. And you can imagine the shame that hung over their heads. It would have been thought that there was some type of secret sin or failure that they they had committed, but there wasn't not. The scripture says they were just barren, but also their life that they had lived, they were found blameless and righteous for God. You know, in this day and time, it would have even been common for a man to divorce his wife if she was barren to marry another woman for the purpose of having children. But what we see about Zacharias's character, that he was faithful to his wife. Scripture says that they were advanced in their years. Most scholars believe they would have been around 60 years old. So they were well past the age of having children, but they would have prayed for decades, for God to give them a child. They were two people that had prepared themselves in their everyday walk with God to be faithful. So that's the characters that we see. And the second thing that I want to point out is we look at this encounter. Now, as I said, he was one of thousands of priests. Over 20,000 priests would have been in and around the city of Jerusalem. And yet they would go to the temple. And in the temple, there's three different parts to the temple. It was this beautiful structure. There would be the outer court. There would be the holy place and then the holy of holies. And so what would happen is that by their division, they would go and each time daily, there would have to be the changing on what was called the altar of incense. And so you can see this big, beautiful picture of this golden furniture, if you will. And it had this bowl that would hold the coals. And then the the priest would go in and put incense upon it. And so it was a great privilege and opportunity for it to take place in any person's life. So we continue on with our story as we look at this encounter that Zacharias is going to have. It says in verse 8, now, It happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of the division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter into the temple to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the altar of incense. So it was his turn to go before the golden altar 
and to place incense in the holy place. And most people believe this would have been for the first time in his priestly service. You know, the priests, they were divided into 24 divisions. They only went to the temple two weeks out of a year to perform their priestly service. There was nearly a thousand priests in each division, and it became very evident to enter into the holy place and to put the incense upon the golden altar was possibly a once in a lifetime experience. And so it was Zacharias' day. He would have chosen two friends that would have gone with him. One would go in first and would take out all the ashes of the previous offering. And then another would come and would bring hot burning coals and would place them in the bowl. And then Zacharias would enter in by himself in a dimly lit room and he would put the incense upon the coals and this fragrance would be would begin to go what go up and go out and the people would have no uh, 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 would know that this altar of incense was burning uh, before them. Verse eleven says that an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw that angel and. Fear gripped his heart. Now, uh, you can imagine again, try to use your imagination. I have a very active imagination. So he's gone into this dimly lit room. There's no external light that is able to come in. It's just by the candles. It's just by what is in there. And all of a sudden, this angel appears to the right of the altar of incense. His first emotion was fear. And I think if we're all honest, it would probably be fear on our part, but then the angel begins to speak to him. We see this in verse 13. And the angel says to him, don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will give him the name of John. Well, that's a, a huge announcement for him to hear. But he says, your prayer has been heard. Now, he's prayed a lot, but what exactly is that prayer? It was a prayer for a child. So the angel tells them that their prayer had been heard. And I'm sure Zacharias is saying, so can you tell me uh, when God heard our prayer and why does it seem it's taken so long for this to take place? Because it seems that year after year, decade after decade, that prayer has been unanswered. I was thinking uh, about a song that was written back in 1990 by a country artist, a superstar named Garth Brooks. And, and it was a story about unanswered prayer. And, you know, sometimes unanswered prayers are actually a blessing to us. But the verse that speaks of this in the song I want to share with you now, and it says not answer doesn't mean that he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered. Some of God's greatest gifts Gifts. So just thinking about the subject of unanswered prayers, you know, there's many things in my past, may have been girls that I have dated that I thought I would like to marry, or maybe it was other opportunities that I thought jobs I should have taken or whatever it may have been. But I'm really glad that God didn't answer those prayers. But in our story, God says, though it may seem late, I am going to answer your prayers. So we look in Luke chapter one, verses 14 through 17. And then we begin to see the angel speaking directly to Zacharias 
about what's going to take place through this son that would be given to them. Verse 14 says, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. And then look at, listen to how he begins to describe the type of young man that he's going to be. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine or liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is one of the first times that we see this mention. We had in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people, but this phrase that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother womb. Now, that's going to be significant in our story as we read on. In verse 16, it says, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. And he will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of righteousness, so to make ready to prepare the people for the Lord. So you see the delay in the prayer, their prayer being answered of John, what would be called John the Baptist to be born. It was a timing issue. It wasn't time for them to have a son. And God knew when exactly he wanted John to do. He knew exactly that he wanted it to be birthed uh, out of the marriage of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And it says that he would begin to declare to people their need of repentance from their wicked ways. And he was a prophet that was a moral influencer in culture. But what I want you to see here is that these two stories really represent the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, the story of Joseph and Mary. We're going to see that the same angel came to both of them. These are a bridge. Uh, this is a bridge story. It bridges between the Old Testament, which is what Zacharias and Elizabeth represented, the relationship with God based on the law, and then this new relationship that we would have with God through Jesus was represented in Jesus uh, through the birth of Jesus. You see, the prophets Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Micah all prophesied about a coming king and a kingdom. And yet, from that time to the time that we are reading this story, there's been 400 years where the voice of the Lord has been silent. There wasn't a king. There wasn't a kingdom. But the time had come had come for the king to become, and his name would be Jesus. So there was a, a long delay, but yet the time had come for the, these things that the prophets had spoken to be fulfilled. You know, I had this saying when it talks about the timing of God, is that God is never late, he's never early, but he's always on time. So we see the declaration that the angel made to Zacharias and, and about what would take place. And then we look at scene four and we look at the response. And let's hear how Zacharias responds to this angel, Gabriel. And Zacharias says in verse 18, how will I know for, for sure that this is certain? For I am an old man and my wife, we are advanced in years. You see, his first response was to look at his own ability to make the promise come about. And I think many times that's what we do, is that when we are faced with some big vision that God may have given us or some big promise that we think that God has given to us, we look to ourselves first. And so that was his first response is, hey, listen, this is really impossible. 
We're old. We're way past the, the day of having children. But the angel said to him, he responded to that unbelief, if you will. He says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring to you this good news. And then he does something that's very unusual. The angel says to him, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Now, I think he said that with a lot of attitude. I think Gabriel didn't just say, hey, I'm Gabriel. I think he, it was more like, hey, I'm Gabriel, and I just came from the very presence of God, and you're, I'm telling you this message, and you're asking me, is this going to come about? I think there was a lot of energy on it to the point that I, I, he had the authority that he said that he's not going to speak, and guess what? He didn't. So was this punishment? I'm not for sure about that. Maybe it was that he didn't want Zacharias to have the ability to speak against what God had spoken. So Scene five, the coming out. He's been in there a long time. He's been in the temple. It says in verse 21, the people were waiting for Zacharias and they were wondering about what his delay was. And when he came out, scripture says that he was unable to speak and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and yet he remained mute. Now, I don't know what that looked like. I'm sure it was pretty crude, uh, as far as his sign language. I mean, how do you begin to do sign language and try to describe that you saw this angel? It definitely wouldn't look as beautiful as our, our friends, the men and women that serve our, our hearing impaired people every day, uh, every Sunday here at the tribe. And so, I mean, I love watching them just express it. So he's trying to verbalize what's happened. And then the scripture goes on and says that when his days of priestly service were ended, he went back home, and after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, this is the way that the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me, and he took away my disgrace. He took away my shame from among men. So you see that God had given them a promise. But the thing that I want to point out to you is that they had to participate. Verse 24, Elizabeth became pregnant. They physically had to do something to see the promise fulfilled. And so there's three things that I want to point out that if we are going to see the promise fulfilled in our life, we have to do three things. Number one is that we have to prepare. That's what we did. We saw that they prepared their life. They lived their life in a manner to where the promise could be fulfilled. And the second thing that we see is that they had to pray. They had to be people that communicated with God. And it's not some religious prayer. It's just, just real talk with God, talking about how you're feeling, talking about what you need in your life. And then that last thing is that we have to participate. It doesn't just happen. We have to do our part. So our story in Luke chapter one is interrupted with another story that we won't take a whole lot of time on because we've heard much about that in this time of the season that we're in. And we, we see a new characters that are represented or are, are presented to us through Mary and through Joseph. It says in verse 26 of chapter, Luke chapter one, that in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent from God. Have you ever wondered what that sixth month was making reference to? 
It was the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. See, these stories are so connected. And he appears, we know the story, Gabriel appears to Mary and he begins to speak, hell favored one. He declares these things and he talks about, don't be afraid, you have found favor with God. And it says, you're gonna conceive and you're gonna bear forth a son and he'll be great and he'll be called the son of the most high and he will reign over the house of Jacob. And then Mary's response to him was, how can this be? I'm a virgin, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will become pregnant with our Savior. But the key verses that I want us to look at, just in this interruption in our story of, 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 of Zacharias and Elizabeth, is verses 36 through 38. It says, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. I don't know if you ever realized that, that Elizabeth and Mary were kin, which meant that John the Baptist and Jesus were family. But he uses this statement, and it's almost maybe it was a statement just to really encourage her to make the decision to do what God's asking her to do. But your, your, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in an old age, and he, she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. And then here's this great verse that we get our big idea from. And the angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And I just want to encourage you today is that you may be facing impossible things in your life, but I speak that word over you that nothing is impossible with God. And Mary's response is to behold the bond slave of your, of your Lord. May it be done according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So Mary's had this encounter. Story picks back up. We're in scene six, which I call the meeting. Luke chapter one, verses 39 through 66. It says, now the time came when Mary arose and she went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah. And she entered into the house of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what the angel said to Zacharias? Back in the temple, uh, back in the temple, he says that in this child will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb. So we see Elizabeth and her baby, which is in her belly, is filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, not knowing, I mean, uh, this is in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Uh, Mary has just had this encounter. The baby would have been so small. There's no way she could have known that she was pregnant. And immediately, though, she has revelation of what's taken place with, with Mary. And she cried out with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord, you hear that? The mother of my Lord would come to me, for behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is he who has believed that there would be a fulfillment of all that had been spoken to her by the Lord. And so we see the words fulfilled that God had spoken through the angel Gabriel, that Elizabeth would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And thus, John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she has a revelation of who Jesus is. And that's what my prayer is today, is that you may even be a spiritual investigator. You may be just checking this out for the first time. And I just want you to know, God wants you to show 
He wants to show you who he can be in your life. And that's what my prayer is in this. But we look at scene seven, when John is born, and, and, and we're just in the last couple of scenes of this story. It says, now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son, and her neighbors and her relatives heard of what the Lord had done. He had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day, this would have been custom of what they would do. They would wait to the eighth day with a male child when there would be circumcision that they would give the name to the child. And everybody was saying, they're going to call him Zacharias because that's after his father. It's a, a very traditional thing, just as it is in, in much of our culture here. Uh, particularly in the Hispanic culture, there's everybody is, they name their sons after their sons. And so it would have been that type of tradition. But his mother said and answered them saying, no, indeed, but he shall be called John. And, and they looked at this and they said, listen, there's no one in your relative who is called by that name. And, and, and they made signs to Zacharias, the father and says, what do you want to call him? And he answered, asked for a tal- tab- tablet, and he wrote down as follows, his name shall be John. And they were all astounded. Look what happens. And at once, Zacharias could speak. It was open. His tongue was loosened. And he began to speak praise to God. And you can imagine, after nine months of not being able to speak, when when Zacharias came into agreement to everything that the angel had said to him, he said to him that he shall be called John. Zacharias and Elizabeth had to go against tradition and name him John. And when he did, when his obedience was complete, his tongue was loosened and he can speak. It says great fear came on them. And then in the last scene of our story, Zacharias begins to speak. These are very familiar verses to what we heard that Gabriel had said uh, in the temple, both to the story of uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth and also in Mary and Joseph. But look at verse 67, another key verse. Look at this. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he began to prophesy. Again, we see this empowerment of the Holy Spirit all the way through this story to Elizabeth, to John the Baptist in her womb, and now into Zacharias. And then he begins to make decoration. And I won't take time to go through all this, but he said, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us. He's accomplished redemption for his people. See, he's talking about the salvation that's going to come through a new covenant through Jesus Christ, that we'll have salvation from our enemies Verse 71, it says in holiness, verse 75, in righteousness, he will be for us in all our days. And so he begins to declare who God's going to be. Verses 78 through 80, I'll conclude with these. It says, because of his tender mercy, because of the tender mercy of God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, He will guide our feet in the way of peace. And he just makes a beautiful decoration of what salvation is to all of us. So today, as you hear this story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, I just want you to be encouraged. And my prayer is 
is that you'll see this truth about God, that God takes ordinary people, he fills them with the Holy Spirit, and through them, he does extraordinary things. But we have to prepare, we have to pray, and we have to participate. So as I'm sharing this message, we're just a few days away from beginning a new year. And as we move from this Christmas season and we look forward to that new start, my prayer is that you would have fresh faith to look at the impossible things in your life. The big idea again was God can do impossible things. So whether you're a spiritual investigator and you're saying, I'm, I'm new to all this God stuff, you know, my prayer for you is just, just ask God, would you make yourself real to me? And you know what? I really believe that he'll do it because God, God loves you and he wants to have relationship with you. And you may be a follower of Jesus. And, and I pray that as you hear this story, you'll realize that God wants to use you. God wants to take ordinary people like you and me he wants us to fill us. He wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And every day he wants to do extraordinary things. So as I conclude, I just want to pray. And I want to pray for a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We've been through a rough couple of years, but I really believe that 2022 is going to be a, a year that really changes. It's going to be a year of doing great, extraordinary things for God. So would you pray with me? Father, I just come today, and Lord, I just thank you for all my brothers and sisters uh, that, are, that are listening today, and will listen to this maybe in the future. And Father, I just pray that as we hear these stories of two ordinary people, people just like us, I mean, uh, of, of Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were ordinary people, but they were a people that prepared themselves and they were a people that prayed to you. And they were a people that, Father, participated in seeing. Father, I pray that we will hear those words in our heart today. That we would prepare. That we would pray. And, Father, that we would participate. So, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now. And, and if you feel comfortable with doing this, I want to invite you just to do that. Just to, just to put your hands out like you're receiving a gift. And... You see, the, the story of Christmas, it is about Jesus, but it's also about the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And Father, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters that there would be a fresh empowerment, an impartation of the Holy Spirit on us. Father, I pray that you would wipe away all discouragement, all despair, maybe over some of those things that seem to be impossible and Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would release a fresh spirit of faith, that they'll realize that with God, all things are possible. Man, I thank you for listening, and uh, we just bless you, and we look forward to what God is going to do in this coming year. We're glad you're a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.